I went with Jim Henson's directorial debut, The, the Great it. Muppet Caper. I knew it. <laughs> Kermit the Frog and Fozzie the Bear play the role of twin brothers. Uh, they're newspaper reporters for the Daily Chronicle, and uh, they're accompanied by Gonzo, their photographer. They're assigned to investigate a theft of a valuable diamond necklace from Lady Holiday. I am going to come out the gate really strong here and blow your mind. Do you know who the actress is that plays Lady Holiday? Her, the answer is no. Your, your blank Meryl look Street. is a no. So Diana Rigg was a very established actress who only took this role because her daughter loved Miss Piggy and the sure. Muppets. But more important to you, my friend, Lady Tyrell, the Queen of Thorns. No way. From Game of Thrones. Oh my God. Nobody. I have seen Game of Thrones every episode a million times. I have seen The Great Muppet Caper a million times. And Max, I never put two and two together. Welcome to Buzz in the Tower, a podcast dedicated to the movies of the 1980s. Prepare to be stuffed in our DeLorean and taken on a trip through the best decade of film ever. Hey, Mo, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. So if you love Caddyshack, The Goonies, Aliens, Weird Science, Spies Like Us, The Great Outdoors, Empire Strikes Back, The Great Muppet Caper, Pretty in Pink, Predator, Rocky IV, Roadhouse, Say Anything, Real Genius, Short Circuit, Some Kind of Wonderful, Beverly Hills Cop, Akira, Tango and Cash, The Breakfast Club, and They Live, just to name a few, then sit back, relax, and get ready to be entertained. Because we came here to chew bubblegum and podcast about 80s movies, and we're all out of bubblegum. If you haven't already, subscribe to Buzz in the Tower on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And while you're there, leave a review and a five-star rating. It's a moral imperative! You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, and all social media platforms by searching the tag at Buzz in the Tower. That's B-U-Z-Z-N, The Tower. Also, check out our website, buzzinthetower.com, and grab some officially licensed gear. It's so choice. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking some up. Now, if you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. Head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash buzzinthetower. With memberships as low as $3 a month, you can have access to tons of extra content, and a portion of all proceeds go directly to Save Ferris. Dakashane, darling, Dakashane. Buzz in the Tower is brought to you by Capsiva Pain Relieving Gel. Arthritis, muscle soreness, psoriasis, this all-natural gel designed to increase blood flow. Max, I, I can't just read. I got to speak from the heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if you're riding Falcor all day long and your legs are sore. <laughs> no, it's like the Duke brothers in Coming to America. You're back after, that, that's after right. Capsiva. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is great. Go to their website, capsiva.com, and you can do a free trial of it. And we're real fortunate to work with them as a sponsor because this is something I believe in because I, again, am old as dirt and need this to basically get up in the morning and move around. Yeah, it spikes me up too. Yeah, and you're not as old as I am, but you certainly are falling apart. Yes, I am. Well, we sit down a lot for the show. <laughs> we do sit a lot. So capsiva.com, try the gel. It will change your life. Buzz in the Tower is also brought to you by Bolton Legal Group commercial and business transactions and contracts, bankruptcy, general commercial litigation, real estate, real and personal property tax appeals, estate planning, you name it, 
Bolton Legal Group can do it. When I eventually get arrested for a number of the things I could get arrested Stalking for. Stalking Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, well, when Elizabeth Shue finally says, I've had enough and stop talking about me on your podcast, this is the guy I'm going to call. Yeah. His firm, they're aggressive, they're fast. You know, this isn't like the firm. We can't always just get a, a Tom Cruise out there yeah, helping like us out. Paul Newman in the verdict without all the problems. Yes. Excellent example. No problems. Ian, on top of being an outstanding attorney, he also loves 80s movies. Yeah. Loves the show. We're ecstatic to have him on our team also because he'll probably defend us when we get sued again for the myriad of things that we do that are probably tiptoeing on on the illegal <laughs> side uh, there's some copyright issues yeah, yeah that's cool go to ianboltonlawgroup.com and uh he's he's the best of the best of the best today's episode favorite 80 sequels While some may consider the often forgotten sequels of Teen Wolf and Caddyshack to be guilty pleasures, most view them as a cautionary tale of leaving good enough alone. But perhaps the bad rap movie sequels have received is a bit unfair. For every Fletch Lives, there are also some gems that made the risk of Rotten Tomato Purgatory worth it. Today on Buzz in the Tower, we discuss our favorite 80s sequels, the movies that not only did justice to the originals, but in fact stood on their own as solid flicks. I'm Mo Shapiro, and joining me as always, the Weekend at Bernie's 2 to my Weekend at Bernie's, Max Sanders. And with that, let's pick our favorites. That's not even an 80s movie. No, but if I had, to, if I had to say <laughs> that like there's a sequel that you remind me of, it's Weekend at Bernie's 2. Aw, thank you. It's impossible. You make no sense to me. I don't know. Like you, You've uh, been dead already. I, yeah. know, I know I've made the Simpsons joke before when Bur- Mr. Burns, Montgomery Burns, if you will. Montgomery. Montgomery. What did I say? Montfavory? Flovery? Yeah. Monty. Know. When Monty Burns goes to the doctor and he's got three Stooges syndrome. Yeah, because all the beat diabetes. Yeah, yeah. And they're bit. all stuck in the door. Yeah. Like that's like you somehow function with so many things going on. You are the Weekend at Bernie's 2 to my life. I'll take it. You will. Yeah. Yeah. Max, welcome to the show. Hi. We've got a lot going on. We do. We have new sponsors. We got Patreon shout outs to do. We got a show to talk about. We're like a real show now. We're things have changed. We're yeah. we're I'm loose. I'm not as tight. I'm gonna let you have your way. You're in a three-piece suit though. Why are you uh, in a suit? Well, sometimes greed is good. <laughs> greed is good. He's not in a suit. He's in nah, a suit. I'm not in a suit. Definitely sweat. Max, I'm excited first to welcome some new Patreons to the to the Buzz in the Tower family. Some co-pilots, oh, if you will. Oh, we got some co-pilots. We've got we've got an ice man, a maverick, and two gooses. Wow, you like that? Sounds like a wrap. It, it's it does sound. Oh no, I'm sorry, two mavericks. Yeah. I said that wrong. So let's start with Karen. Uh, Karen, welcome. She is a maverick, and it looks like, if I'm reading this correctly, another international fan of ours. Woo, where yeah. from? I don't know, but no. when I look at the pledge payment, it's got that weird e in front of it, so it's like European. Neat. I am so smart to not know <laughs> what that is. Uh, also, Rose, uh, Iceman, welcome to the party. Woo, Paul Cavanaugh, maverick. Maverick, excited to see you, buddy. I know he'll love this. And then uh, the real life tiny, this guy. He's done a the Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger impression on our Instagram. He did. on Inst- We got to have him on the show. We he's, will. He's great. Uh, and then Edwin, who we have had on the show, hopped in as well. So guys, welcome to the Patreon. Love having you. And for those who have not jumped in yet, additional content behind the scenes, uh, some of Max's hair, whatever you need, we're going to get you. I want to read you something. We Max and I were just having this conversation the other day. The podcast is so much fun for us. And there are these moments where we get these messages and it could be on Instagram. It could be on Facebook. And they're just the really positive affirmations of 
the work that we're putting in this. And I just got this on our Patreon. It was a direct message from Dr. Benedict Alexander Zahn, which again, I argue is the best name ever. But I want to read you what his message was. He sounds, he sounds like a name Chevy Chase would make up and Fletch. I haven't even shared this. You're going to cry. Get your Kleenex out. So Dr. Zahn says, uh, hey guys, happy new year. You made my day with your shout out. I'm very happy to represent your European listeners. I'm in the middle of opening a 10,000 square foot COVID vaccination center in Berlin and have a nine month old son at home. It's one of the most stressful times of my life. Thanks for offering me that little time out once a week. Listening to you feels like talking to friends about one of my favorite topics. Keep up the good work. Ben Maverick, Dr. Second International Patreon. Oh man. I have to tell you, dude, like, first of all, what a rock star this guy is for putting together this center to like work on helping and supporting people with COVID. Yeah. And that we somehow through all of our insanity or bringing him like a little bit of a reprieve, <laughs> it, it makes it all worth it. It really does. Like that's like, I was so happy when I saw this. It was my little surprise. I wanted to read it to you on air. Let's make our Dr. Zahn hero of the week. Ooh. Yeah. Hero of the week, Dr. We Zahn. We got some firefighters and medics and yeah. all that. Let's know our stuff. Well, look, look, talk about this. Yeah. You, may have, you may have just come up with a good idea. I like it. But let's talk Maybe off once air. a month. Just, you're getting aggressive with I making know, decisions sorry, on the show. I know, sorry. on you. 2022, I need you to calm down. Dr. Zahn. Is it Dr. Z with a Z? It's Dr. Zayas is what oh, we're going to say Dr. Dr. Zayas. I love that you know the Simpsons jokes. Yeah. All right. What's wrong with me? I think you're crazy. On a second opinion, you're all so lazy. <laughs> all right, Max, are we ready to go? Yes. Ready to jump into this awesome topic? Speed two. Spe oh, my God. The, <laughs> the speedening. <laughs> William Defoe's the bad guy in that, you know? Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. And Jason Patrick, our boy from Lost Boys. Oh, man. Yeah. This, maybe better than we thought. Maybe. <laughs> I have found that the biggest debate I ever see around sequels is people try to, to make the decision of what sequel is better than the original. The Dark Knight. Empire Strikes Back. Godfather 2. Yeah. I don't like either one. I know. You're not a big fan. <laughs> so this is a little bit different. Deadpool 2. Uh, Deadpool 2. I, I disagree with that, but whatever. <laughs> They're both great. They are both great. I would preface this by saying ours is a little bit different of a conversation. So first of all, the name of the episode really lays it out. Favorite. Favorite is different than best. So like you and I recognize sometimes what we view as favorite is not necessarily critically reviewed as the best. So I got a perfect analogy for this. If you let me talk for a second. No, nope, nope, nope. Sorry. Go Come on. on. Yep. All you. When someone asks what your favorite restaurant is, you, if you were thinking about it and you're honest, it'd probably be five steakhouses for quality of food, ambiance and all that. But we don't do that. We go Chinese seafood. You pick five different restaurants. Usually as your five sure, favorite. Sure. That's what this is to us. We're picking our five favorite and kind of different pockets. No, I, I, the, for you, that might be true. I don't know. For, for, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I no, didn't, didn't resonate. This is why I don't let you talk on the show. I, that is a fair point on some of these when yeah. we skip genre. For me, for today's episode, I literally just said, what are my five favorite movies from the 80s that happen to be sequels? Oh, interesting. So that, that to me was my five favorite sequels. Yeah. It had nothing to do with the first movie had nothing to do with anything else other than I watched this movie. I'm like, I love this movie. And oh, by the way, it's a sequel. One clarification. Some people treat the term sequel differently than we do. Sequel specifically for this episode is the second coming of this movie in the trilogy, in the series. So if, if one of yours is Police Academy, it has to be Police Academy 2. You can't say it's Police Academy 3 because it's the second one that was in there. Yeah, we'll do another episode for that. Yeah, that's a, that definitely. The trilogy. Discussion. So these are only second movies. The first one could take place in the 40s, the 50s. I don't care. It's it's just the oh, so second you do a color of money thing. You could. Yeah. I, I actually figured you would, but we'll see what no, you No, we do that a lot. I like to keep You did cover the color of money a lot. Yeah. No, I like eclectic. All you right. don't t you, you talk about one, you don't talk about the next okay, one. Okay, there you go. It's like yeah. Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's nothing. Can I give you an analogy that makes no sense real quick? <laughs> Life is like Fight Club. If birds You were don't parents. talk about it. <laughs> uh Max 
per the bet that you won in 2021. You're you going to, first. I'm going first. Okay, well then it's my <laughs> turn. Let's jump right into it. Pressure's on, Max. So uh, I went with Jim Henson's directorial debut, The, the Great it. Muppet Caper. I knew it. <laughs> I had my whole argument ready. If you were going to be like, that's not even a sequel. I'd be like, oh, oh, you want to say it's not a sequel? It is. I don't know enough is, to know it's it a is, sequel. It is by all accounts the sequel to the original Muppet movie, which was in 78 or 79 or somewhere in there. But the great Muppet caper is directed by Jim Henson. It's his directorial debut. Big moment for he you. He simultaneously was working on this and dark crystal, which I think I've told you about this before. And I'm, I'm glad he was able to later in his life before he passed away, have this kind of validation, but dark crystal and labyrinth were his passion projects and they had commercial failure, but they became these incredible cult classics and people loved them. And he was able to see that as he got older. Uh, Max, every day that we're on this earth without Jim Henson is a wasted day. <laughs> he, a he Honestly, he might be of all celebrities in my life that have ever passed away. The most painful one. Like, Ooh, he, that's a good question. It's very dark, but it's also a good question. John Candy for me. That's a good one. I don't know, man. Jim Henson's my guy. Max, you know, I, I belong to a number of different online clubs uh, that have to do with the you Muppets. Do? I, I, I follow quite a pay, few Muppet things. Do you pay like a membership That's fee? It's not important, but I would <laughs> if anyway asked. So the synopsis of The Great Muppet Caper, Kermit the Frog and Fozzie the Bear play the role of twin brothers. Yes, I said it. Twin brothers. How? It's That's the magic of this. Uh, they're newspaper reporters for the Daily Chronicle, and uh, they're accompanied by Gonzo, their photographer. This is, by the way, where Gonzo's uh, species is officially tagged as whatever. Oh. He's dropped from that crate in the plane because they fly uh, cargo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in his crate, it says whatever on Were it. there chickens in that crate? Chickens, pigs, <laughs> horses, and stuff. It's he a, likes chickens. He does. I, told, I think I've said this before. The cake topper at my wedding, I don't know if you remember this, yeah. was Gonzo and Camilla. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I love it. That's like my favorite part. I had to really twist Trisha's arm. She's like, this is weird. I'm like, yes, it is. Get to the movie. Sorry. So um, they, <laughs> they're assigned to investigate a theft of a valuable diamond necklace from Lady Holiday. I am going to come out the gate really strong here and blow your mind. Okay. Are you excited? Lady Holiday. The last time Dolly I blew, Parton. hold on. The last time I blew your mind, it was that. Stan Bush's The Touch from Transformers. It was inspired by Iron Eagle. Yeah. And you about fell out of your chair. <laughs> that was last week. I remember. Do you? <laughs> I remember stuff. Lady Holiday is played. Is she a person? Or? She's a person. Okay. So Lady Holiday's brother, Nikki Holiday, is played by Charles Grodin. He's <laughs> He is fantastic in this. He ends up like, he's he's evil, he's a cat burglar, and he falls in love with Miss Piggy. Wild. Yeah. There's, it's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. Also, spoiler alert, the good guys win at the end. This movie's responsible for what yeah. I would argue is one of the best monologues ever. It's the Sam the Eagle when they're in the, this up before. the Halfway Hotel or the Happiness Hotel or whatever it's called. And he's like, uh, Fozzie the bear gives his speech about you know saving the day and sam the eagle comes in and he's like as an american i am proud today i whatever i Do you, you know i can morning? talk about this I, okay i'm sorry i got i went off topic i gotta get back to the mind-blowing piece of information lady holiday okay who gives miss piggy a job she's you know this you know rich socialite she has the baseball diamond the baseball diamond is stolen and uh she finds out it's her brother and they save the day do you know who the actress is that plays Lady Holiday? Her, the answer is no. Your, your blank Meryl look Street. is a no. Diana Rigg. Do you know who that is? Martin Rigg's sister? <laughs> no, or you could have Jessica said, Riggs. yeah, Jessica Rigg's mom. mom. So Diana Rigg was a very established actress who only took this role because her daughter loved Miss Piggy and sure. the Muppets. But more important to you, my friend, Lady Tyrell, 
the Queen of Thorns. No way. From Game of Thrones. Oh my God. Nobody. I have seen Game of Thrones every episode a million times. I have seen the Great Muppet Caper a million times. And Max, I never put two and two together because she's got to be in like her 20s or 30s when she did this movie. Yeah. And she's got the bonnet on her head yeah. in the Game of Thrones. Hard to oh, see. It. You got Tell Cersei it was me. Did yeah. she say that? Uh, no, but she doesn't say it in this movie. <laughs> but she it just, nice? It, no, she's like, no, she's not nice at no. all. She ends up, she's not like an evil person in it, but she's not nice by any means. She'd be in the uh, country club and trading places, right? The, exactly. Okay. There you go. So long story short, I love this movie, which is, which is why I made my <laughs> sequel list. And that's it for me. Like there's no, I don't, it doesn't need to tie to the first one. So uh, there's some fun stuff about this movie. When they originally made this, it was built to be a sequel. They really, really wanted the sequel. And when the script was written for Dark Crystal, right? They went to, I think, Paramount, Columbia, went to Columbia. And Columbia's like, this is way too dark. I don't want to touch it. And Jim Henson was like, just destroyed by this. So Jim Henson went to his guy, Sir Lou Grade. Do you know who that is? No. He is the guy. This is probably the most important guy in Muppet history that you should know about. Is he Kermit's voice? No, he's the guy who funded everything with the Muppet show. The Muppet show was overseas. I mean, it wasn't like done in America. So he went back to them and said, I'll fund it, but I need you to do another Muppet movie. And that's where uh, Henson hopped in and directed it. And he did them, I think, either at the same time or like real close to each other, like on top of each other. Dark Crystal and the Great Muppet Caper were being shot at the same time. So there's a ton of fun stuff about this movie, one of which is they couldn't figure out a name for the movie. So Jim Henson went to his staff, the puppeteers, the actors, everyone, and said, we'll have a contest. Who wants to come up with the name? And the names they came up with were terrible. And it was it was his daughter at the time, who I think was like a teenager, who came up with the name. It's a good name. In the Muppet movie, there's a scene where they're on the bike, and it was kind of cool, like you never saw a Muppet on a bike before. So they wanted to up their game a little bit. In The Great Muppet Caper, there's a scene where every character is on a bike, and they weren't sure how they're going to do it. So imagine, like, I just think about me and my son, like Jim Henson turned to his son, Brian Henson, who at the time was like 16 or 17 and was like, go figure out how to do this. And it was like, wow. isn't that cool? Like yeah. he's working with his dad who later in life, Brian Henson's done a, a ton of work on his own right. Yeah, so why are you friends with him? I should find him. I should get him on the show. That'd be amazing. There's a song in this movie. Uh, the first time it happens, which was up for best original song at the 1982 Oscars. And it lost to Arthur's theme. Arthur's theme's awesome. I know, but like, I just want to point out that this was up for an Oscar. I know you like that kind of yeah. stuff. We need to talk about Arthur more often. Ah, you know, that's one of those things where I'm he's at- hilarious. I like it, but I love it. All right. So budget for the movie, 14 million, took 31 million at the box office, has all the Decent. regulars, yeah. did well. I mean, whatever. It's it's a Muppet movie. Yeah. Uh, had Frank Oz in it, obviously, Jim Henson, all the standard characters and voices. And Any Max, celebrity cameos or anything? Yes. Oscar the Grouch. Oh. Well, I, nice. I was an amazing celebrity. <laughs> I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say a human, but. No, there are some humans too, but I think the Oscar the Grouch one was the more exciting one for me. Uh, I got nothing else. I just, cool. you know, I love this movie and I wanted to bring it up. You got to come out fast. I get it. I gave you my strongest right away. <laughs> and I'll turn it over to you, Max. What do you have for your first one? I went with my weakest right away. <laughs> <laughs> I just the great Muppet caper. I love it. It's yeah. not my strongest, but you know, I love the Muppets. So I went with my heart. Uh, <laughs> oh Jesus. I can't wait to see what you came up with. This is one of the rare movies. I saw the sequel before I saw the original. I saw this when I was like 10 and I fell in love with it. That is super odd. It's 1988 sequel of the 1986 classic short circuit, short circuit two. <laughs> short circuit two. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Input. Do you remember when uh, the Simpsons basically had to get rid of Apu because of how like racially inappropriate Apu is. I was going to bring is. this up now. Okay. I mean, like so, this is like the most offensive movie ever today. I mean, I'm not, whatever. You're okay to love it. I yeah. mean, I just, it's like, they don't. So that uh, guy's Caucasian, right? Yeah. Back it up. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Fisher Stevens plays an Indian guy named Ben Jabutia. Jabutia. If his performance wasn't offensive enough, your butchering of his name might be. So let's just get out of the way. It's problematic. It's always going to be problematic. Yeah, for sure. For thank, sure. Thank you for. <laughs> I, knew, I just wanted to make sure we talked about it. I was it. going to, you jerk. <laughs> so the original made. Los Locos kick your. Oh, <laughs> you look out. Look out. Kick your face. <laughs> Kick your blank into outer space. You love short. Anything. Johnny Five is your guy. Yeah. How do you not have a Johnny Five tattoo, by the way? It's too complicated. It'll take no, a long it's time. not. You have other tattoos that are way more complicated than Johnny Five. I'm past the tattoo point in my life. Oh, I think. Here Unless we people are going to pay me Unless for it. Unless you have Patreon. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. Give me some Johnny Five. So the original made 40.6 million on 15. This one made 21.6 on 15. Not great. Still made money. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think with marketing and all, I think that's not actually a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so the original was about a military robot who got struck by lightning and becomes self-aware and alive. Johnny Five. No disassemble. Yeah. He doesn't want to be disassembled, reprogrammed, deleted, obliterated, destroyed, trash, junked, thrown away, erased. I should be video- videoing how excited you are to talk about this. <laughs> well, that's how he says things. He just like picks up words. He's so positive. So this movie. Oh, he loves input. Yeah. He, I mean, he just loves information and like he loves people. So this one, he's in a ranch in montana with uh newton crosby and stephanie ali sheedy and uh steve gutenberg who they couldn't get in this no. movie so they had to do a voice recording <laughs> of ali sheedy wow you know you're a short circuit, I know too. short circuit too inside out buddy yeah so ben's on the streets of new york hustling on a street corner he i mean he's got a robotics degree could he not get a better job he <laughs> also was all over the news like he was part of yeah, uh, yeah i know i know well i plot love there's a plot hole <laughs> <laughs> he's making little J5 toys and he gets an order for a thousand of them and he can't make them in time. So they send <laughs> logically. Who's, who's they? Talk about who he partners up with. He partners with Michael McDean, who's, if you don't know, Better Call Saul, this is Spinal Tap. Yeah. Kind of a sleazy Rolex sale. Oh, he was great. In this. He's, he's really great. Good. Yeah. 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 So they send Johnny Five in a crate to help him make the thousand tiny robots. J5 finds out he's in a city, wants all the input, wants to read all the books, gets in lots of trouble, gets beaten down in one of the saddest scenes you've ever seen. Yeah. They, They've said on I love this. They said online this was voted as one of the saddest scenes in movie history. When it, was, he gets, it was awful. He gets like hate crime, basically. I, I know. You yeah. know what's the the guy who runs the bank in this movie is the camp director or camp owner from uh, Dirty, Dirty Dancing. Dancing. Yeah. 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 I can't see him in anything without thinking of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I don't know Johnny's positivity through all this and kind of learning. It's when- impossible not to love Johnny Five. <laughs> you win. I, I already know what you're getting at, and you're yeah. right. Like you you could put Johnny Five in any situation. He is a beacon of positivity. Yes, there, he is. There should be a religion based on like Johnny. Five. Oh my God. That, that, I'm totally going to create that. <laughs> and also fun fact for you, his voice, you know, that positivity, that high pitch yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. His name's Tim Blaney, who also did Frank the Pug and Men in Black. Oh, no kidding. He, he sang the Goofy Goober song in the SpongeBob movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Goofy Goober. I know the song. Yeah. And he was also a Muppet puppeteer. Really? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Like with, with Henson? Yeah. Or? Wow. That's wild. And also puppeteer in Flight of the Navigator. Oh, this guy rules. Flight of the Navigator. Dude, Let's. we could probably get him on the show, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh, you should go after that. That's, I'm going to do that. That's your golden goose. <laughs> and my favorite thing about this movie, when Johnny reads the books quickly and he's like, uh, they did that. They created that effect using an air hose with washers connecting the strings on the book to keep it steady. I just think that's neat. That is cool. Yeah, I just like the behind the I stuff. like practical effects. Yeah. Unlike when he fell out of the 10th story window and it's the worst <laughs> digital effects I've ever seen in my life as he's falling and computing is like 500 feet per minute and he deploys a <laughs> hang glider yeah. and that is like literally green screen at its worst and he's got like a suction lasso to bring oh, a ca- to bring a cabin it's good stuff but uh also the director of this movie 
Troop was not as good as the original director. <laughs> John Badham was the original. War Games, Saturday Night Fever, Blue Thunder. Awesome director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was Kenneth Johnson, who did four episodes of The Hulk. And one of my favorite bad movies of all time, 1997 Steel. With I don't Shaquille, even know what that is. It's Shaquille O'Neal as a oh, John Henry metal like. All right, all right of, uh, you're done now. Okay. We're, we're, you're, you're, you finish. You start talking <laughs> about Shaquille O'Neal movies. The last done. thing, the movie ends in a freeze frame. J5 is covered in gold, being submitted as a American citizen. And they go, Mr. Five, how do you feel? He goes, how do I feel? I feel alive. And he jumps up and it's a freeze frame. Of course. Freeze frame. <laughs> of course it is. Unbelievable. All right, Max, I'm ready to go to my number two pick. Hit me. Controversial pick for silly reasons. Uh, Soul Man. Superman. <laughs> Soul Man is very controversial. <laughs> what if all your picks are just like like the like Breakfast at Tiffany's, Soul Man, like every racial trope you could find in a movie. Uh, Superman 2. That's not controversial. It is if you love Donner. It almost like because of how much we've learned about what they did to Donner in this movie. But you could just say the Donner cut. I know. I know. But the original's great too. Though. It is. But Superman 2 is straight fire. Yeah, it is. Superman agrees to sacrifice his powers to start a relationship with Lois Lane, unaware that three Kryptonian criminals he inadvertently released are conquering Earth. Zod. Kneel before, before Zod. <laughs> Richard Donner did Superman 1. That movie was a game changer. In the history of film, it was a game changer. That and Star Wars, then the combination of those two films and the timing of it led to what we would view as the modern day blockbuster. Yeah. It really changed everything. Superhero-ness. Donner's perspective, and, and why I believe Donner did such a good job on Superman 1, and really Superman 2 is Donner's work, right? So they filmed Superman 1 and 2 simultaneously. So they're shooting 60% of the footage for Superman 2 had already been done in Superman 1. Oh. Donner took a perspective on Superman 1 of... We have to make people believe that he's flying and didn't compromise. Yeah, didn't compromise on anything. So there was a huge budget. Donner clashed with producers on a lot of different things, the biggest of which being the budget. Um, at the time, I mean, Superman 1 was 78 or 79? 78. 78. $55 million budget. It made $300 million. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a lot of money. That's a lot of cabbage. But I mean, while they're making it, there's a lot of fighting. So the producers, the uh, Salkin, I think their names are. It's hard were, to pronounce their It's names. very hard to pronounce. But <laughs> they, I mean, they had issue after issue and they, they tried to claim he was in breach of contract. They actually brought in uh, Richard Lester, who they brought in in Superman 1 as like an assistant. And he was doing all the second unit directing. But the idea was like, scrub. I know. Well, and how deceitful, right? They basically brought him in. They knew they were going to push boo Donner out and they wrap on the shooting of this and keep in mind, this is what's crazy and no knock on, uh, on the other Richard. I mean, he had done God, what did he do? Hard day's night. He was the, uh, he was famous at the time for directing hard day's night, the beetle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Beatles. So <laughs> that's a really bad English accent. I know it's so good. It's so good. Donner was doing interviews after this release. Mind you, it's making printing money. And I don't think if he exactly said this, but he basically said that if producer Pierre Spangler returned to finish Superman two, that Donner wouldn't. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back for the, I'm again, butchering their name, the Salkine family. Um, Cause this Pierre guy is a family friend of theirs. And he's like, we're done. Get him out of here. When they did that, the cast lost their mind. Gene Hackman refused to come back and do any reshooting. So all the footage that you have of Gene Hackman and Superman two is what they had from Superman one. I always picture him on the filing cabinet all casual, right? <laughs> What? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> just you he's just, on like a high filing cabinet. The no sense. Yes. Excellent, Max. Excellent work. <laughs> Donner knew that in the second film, 
and again, he's shooting it in sequence with the first. He knew that they're going to need something more villainous than Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman was fantastic as, Lu- as Luther, but he needed something more than that. He needed Zod, right? So who's going to be who's going to be the guy who says Neil before Zod? So he goes after Terrence Stamp, but he didn't think that Terrence Stamp would go for it, despite all the commercial success that this movie had. It was still a comic book movie, yeah. Right? Back then, it wasn't as this wasn't like Marvel, yeah. where like now everybody be like, oh yeah, yeah, sign me up, sign me up. You hear the rumors that Tom Cruise is going to be Iron Man in the next uh, Doctor Strange movie? No, but that's incredible. In like a multiverse kind of version. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to tell you. <laughs> no, no, I can't focus right now. It's so great. So they bonded. He went to go visit him, and they bonded over their mutual experience in transcendental meditation. <laughs> And, cool. he, and he pitched him Zod yeah. and he made up this like fake backstory and the guy's like, this will be a challenge. I want to do it. And lo and behold, they get this incredible movie and Superman two. I like Superman two more than Superman one. Yeah, I do too. Like it, I just, I love the whole, the story, uh, the destruction of the city by the three kryptonites, the weakness of Superman. Yeah. Like seeing him weaken himself, coming back to that diner and fighting the guy after he gets his power oh, back. Yeah. Like all of that is or just when great. Lois falls out the window or jumps out the window. I love that. Well, and there and the Donner cut is great. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend watching it. It adds quite a bit to it. They when they re, went back and recut the Donner cut, they went to the estate of Marlon Brando to ask for permission to use his voice. Because really, that issue had nothing to do with Donner. Brando was in a lawsuit with them over how much he got paid for the first one, and they were like, We don't need him. Which is why in the original Superman 2 that wasn't Donner. It was all uh, Superman's mom that you saw. But they got from the estate the license to use his voice to do all the stuff for his dad in it. So Superman 2 to me, again, going back to the sequels that rock, like I watched this movie and it's a great movie. I love Superman 2. What did it make? What did it make? That's a great question. You greedy, greedy little pig. I like to know. Uh, it made $54 million budget. It made $190 million. There you go. I, right? Yeah. It's still, I mean, not $300 million, but it still did great. Once you, I mean, you know the $100 million is the blockbuster definition, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. No real explanation needed. I mean, this is a great movie, and it's my one of my favorite movies of the 80s, and it happens to be a sequel. No explanation needed. You yeah. spent like 20 minutes on it. Yeah, whatever. That's what we do. <laughs> like That's what we do. Story. Yeah, the jam. Jamity jam. Expl- explanation needed. Shut your pie hole. It Max, is a great movie. what do you got? What is your second? choice for sequel movies i decided to delve into a field that i'm a little scared of i went i went horror horror yeah that's i don't even know who you are (laughs) i'm starting to get into it i know i know so for halloween this year me and my girlfriend watched halloween for the first time yeah and so i chose halloween too really yeah so that's an interesting one halloween (laughs) the halloween movies are great the first the first one is something special yeah it's unique it was the first like slasher film really ever like the indestructible force of evil and michael myers yeah so for anyone who doesn't know i mean this is one of the top five is that is that from this oh no 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 that's not that's not a carpenter i was giving you friday the 13th jason i can't believe that you're sitting across from me and able to correct horror film stuff like it's unbelievable to me i've grown i'm all grown up you're such a big boy such a big boy so halloween 15 years after murdering his sister on halloween night In 1963, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois, to kill again. Dum, dum, dum. It's 1978. Now, the movie ends with Michael Myers getting up after being shot six times by his doctor, Dr. Loomis. Yeah. And that's how the movie ends. I wouldn't give a referral. He'd not do well on my Yelp page. I I liked his passion. (laughs) He cared about Michael, weirdly. So... This film will take place in 1981, and I love a good sequel where it's immediately after the chaos of the original movie. Right, right. Like, this is still the night of. Like, yeah. Literally, Michael just got up, and they're like, okay, the movie started. I'm like, yes. 
<laughs> so this one wasn't directed by John Carpenter, and it, it shows a little bit. So it was directed by Rick Rosenthal, who did seven episodes of Smallville. <laughs> I love that show. Remember, somebody save they me. still they still licensed all the music that Carpenter did. So oh, I mean, yeah, so Carpenter did the writing and he edited a lot of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was so upset. He thought Halloween was a standalone movie. So well, because he he wanted to kill off the doctor and he didn't want anything. He didn't want there to be anything after the first one. I think we saw some interview with him, didn't we? Where they talked about how the studio was like, no, 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 don't kill off everyone. We want to be able to do more. Yeah. So he only did the script because he thought it wasn't paid enough for the first movie. The first movie only cost $325,000. It made $47 million. <laughs> so he was like, you know what? I'm going to be a part of this and make my money. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said he hated the script so much. The only way he got through it was a six pack of Budweiser every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man, he's eccentric. Carpenter, like he's still today. If you watch again these interviews with him, they're kind of incredible. He's very eccentric. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah. he's he's special. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so Jamie Lee Curtis is back, you know, as uh, Jamie being terrorized by Michael. What you find out in this movie? Spoiler alert: she's his sister. I know. Yeah, yeah. He hated that. John Carpenter. I know. It's, it's like <laughs> Boo Radley hiding in the basement. Yeah. It's incredible. And I love a good hospital terror movie. This movie basically takes place in the hospital. Hospitals are terrifying. They're really scary. And it's the night of which uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was uh, all in the mental hospital. That's, that's Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. That's I'm psych- sorry. It was what Dream Warriors. <laughs> well, that's a psych ward. It's a little different. I love that's in a hospital because you get to use all the stuff around you get to use like the syringes the kind of chairs that he boils some girl in a whirlpool yeah it's gnarly yeah i don't know slasher movies don't freak me out that much they're really well you've watched a lot you've probably desensitized yourself quite a bit (laughs) and also it's really spooky how the movie starts with mr sandman by the cordettes yep and it ends with that too yeah yeah. it's just i don't know very uh back to the future ish yeah oh i have one fact that's gonna blow your mind uh it's a that's a high billing okay so there's this one scene johnny five Is actually Mike, Mike Myers. Myers. <laughs> well, first of all, the Shatner mask, it looks a little worn in this one. They use the same mask from the original mm-hmm. and the original Michael Myers put it in his back pocket during a shooting mm-hmm. and they didn't buy a new one. So it's like that's it's, it's kind of stretched out and worn. Isn't that weird? It's, Don't you think they would have bought a new my one? My mind is not blown. No, here's the mind. Blowing oh, part. yeah, that was, that was teaser teaser to the mind blow. So. There's a scene where the news reporters are outside the murder's house, you know, when he killed the three girls. Yeah. And there's a reporter woman talking to a camera guy about where they want to shoot. Mm-hmm. And he's nodding. He's in a trucker hat. He's got blonde hair. And you're like, that looks familiar. It's Dana Carvey. No way. I, I confirmed online. That is Dana Carvey? That's Dana Carvey. That's inc- Okay. I, I stand corrected. Mind blown. Mind blown. <laughs> was, he, was he like, swing? Nothing. But you could say he's worked with both Michael Myers. Oh, oh, this guy. I'll behave. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, it's oh, just, it's, that's good. It's that a is fun really horror good. movie. If you don't like horror movies, this is a fun one to dive into. Max, this perfectly transitions into something I wanted to bring up with you. So can you imagine if you were the homeowner that had the house that Mike Myers like murdered all these people in? <laughs> It'd be the worst. Right. So how do you sell that house? You get a good realtor. You have to get the best realtor. And maybe that ties nicely into our newest sponsor. Oh. Buzz in the Tower is brought to you by Dobie Real Estate. D is in David, O-B-I Real Estate. Check out their website, wearedobie.com. You can also find them on our website. Max, this is an exciting partnership, aside from the fact that these might be the only people that could sell Mike Myers' house. (laughs) 
This is a young, energetic company that has a great culture. Adobe Real Estate got set up in 2018. They started with seven agents. Now they're at 95 agents. They have 114 total employees. In 2021, $400 million in sales, a thousand homes. Holy moly. Especially for all of our Michigan listeners, the way that the market is right now and how crazy things are, the difference of 20 or 30% on your home is the difference in who you've got. Great culture, great personality. They deal with Rochester, Royal Oak, Birmingham, anywhere in Michigan. Go check out Dolby Real Estate. Check them out on social media. They're constantly posting the free content of teaching people what to look for in the in the market right now for selling a house, for buying a house. The team over there is incredible. If you reach out to them, let them know that Buzz in the Tower sent you. Dolby Real Estate's a great group of people, and I would highly recommend them if you're selling or buying a home. And are we ready to get back to the show? Let's do it. Let's do it. And that takes us back to the show and Max with my third choice. I'm nope. going. I'm going with one of my faves. Okay, Ghostbusters two. Ah, the ghostening. <laughs> is it? No, it's no. not called the ghostening. <laughs> How could you have thought it was called the ghostening? Sounds good. Unbelievable. The discovery of a massive river of ectoplasm and the resurgence of spectral activity allows the staff of the Ghostbusters to revive their business. It bums me out that they were doing badly. Like they're doing like birthday the, parties. The biggest plot hole in this movie <laughs> yeah. is their fall from grace. Yeah. Like I love this movie, but I cannot <laughs> reconcile how like these guys yeah. saved the city of New York. <laughs> And now they're basically all unemployed or being sued. And it's very clear that ghosts are real. Yeah, like. <laughs> that anybody would question it, right? Unbelievable. I guess Venkman's not the most likable guy. Do. <laughs> Ray. Egon. <laughs> I also love that Bill Murray gets another one of his brothers in the movie. Murray was the judge. Yeah. Do you know that the, the two ghosts were modeled after the Blues Brothers? No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Little tip of the hat. Uh, look, Ghostbusters 2 almost didn't happen. Uh, there was, you know, Murray didn't want in there. He had had a fight with some executive that ended up being fired because of it, made some remarks about like something like pretty benign, like, you know, Bill, Bill Murray's made all this money and hasn't given back to the community. Uh-huh. Not like, like the acting community. And, yeah. Bill, and I guess Bill Murray was furious and you don't mess away. with Bill Murray. No, he was on an acting hiatus during this period of time. Then he came back 1989, directed by Ivan Reitman, written by Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, starring Bill Murray as Dr. Peter Vakeman, Dan Aykroyd as Dr. Raymond Stance. What kind of doctor is Bill Murray? We're not sure. Yeah, really. Uh, Sigourney Weaver is Dana Barrett. Harold Ramis is Dr. Egon Spangler. Ernie Hudson is Winston Zettimore. And of course, Rick Moranis as Louis Tully. This is a Tully movie. Annie Potts as Janine Melnitz. Pretty in pink. Yeah. Love her so much. I've got, I've got some fun stuff for you on this movie. I will tell you that in the gap between the first Ghostbuster and this Ghostbuster, here's what happened. They came out with the cartoon, The Real Ghostbusters. And that stuff was huge. Yeah. I, would, I would even argue that the cartoon, The Real Ghostbusters, might have been bigger than the Ghostbuster movie. That's how I knew it growing it, up. It indoctrinated yeah. a whole generation, yeah. right? So it was interesting. In Ghostbusters 2, they adjusted Janine and Slimer because of the success of the cartoon. Because really, Slimer being established as like a part of the crew and being in there, even the way he looked and kind of acted, very different in 2 than 1. And Janine, her look completely changed what the cartoon was. So you know the story behind why it's called The Real Ghostbusters? on the cartoon versus Ghostbusters. Yeah, there's some lawsuit or something like Filmation that. Filmation yeah, yeah. had a cartoon called Ghostbusters. They paid $500,000 and got 1% of the rights or something oh, like I that. I don't even know yeah. how far that went. I just know that they... So the reason that I bring this up is because the scene, there's a very important scene. You brought it up already. When, uh, who is it? Is it Ernie Hudson? Who's doing the birthday party? It's Ernie and Aykroyd. Yeah, they're doing the birthday party. And they're like, who are you going to call? And all the kids start yelling, He-Man. Yeah. That was the thumbing of the nose. He-Man is Filmation. So they were doing that. Also, do you remember the kid that gets up there and he's like, my dad says you guys are full of crap or something like that? 
Do you know who that kid is? No. Oh, Max, I'm so excited to tell you who that Christian kid is. Christian Bale. That kid was Jason Reitman. No way. Ivan Reitman's son, who yeah. went on to direct Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, yeah. Also yeah. up in the air. Good job, including me. There you go. Yeah. So that's that was his little cameo. Cool. This movie did, so I think their budget was 30 to $40 million, and they pulled in $215 million. Nice. It's Ghostbusters, yeah. right? Yeah. I would argue that even though they made $200 million, they would have made three or $400 million had they not opened up days before Batman. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a rough one. It's a rough one that's to compete against. feature. Oh, my God. What a time to be alive, right? So Columbia didn't have crap. I mean, like they had not done anything forever. So they rushed the production of this because they wanted to have a blockbuster. So they pushed a lot of things to move pretty quickly. So, you know, Paul Cavanaugh, one of our Patreons. Yep. I don't know if his wife bought this or if he bought this, but they have a portrait, a hanging portrait of Vigo the Carpathian. That's awesome. It's amazing. Viggy, Viggy, Viggy. <laughs> it's so creepy. You've been a bad monkey. <laughs> the whole, I love Vigo the Carpathian. Only a Carpathian. You love saying that. I love saying that. But wait till I tell you this. Do you know who the voice is of Vigo the Carpathian? Is it Rip Torn? No. Oh. <laughs> the worst picks when you guess things. Oh. Are you ready? He looks like Rip Torn. The voice of Vigo the Carpathian. Let me tell you what he was in. You ready? You should know you should know who this is right away after I give you some of the movies and, and the characters. Okay. Maybe I'll just give you the movies. Okay? okay. Here are the movies he was in. Hit me. Dune, Strange Brew, Conan the Barbarian. Christopher Plummel. Victory. Flash Gordon. Max Monsado? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the voice of Vigo. Oh, my God. Uncredited, yeah, but that's yeah. the voice. <laughs> so, yeah. Dune, he was Dr. Keens. Strange Brew, he was the Brewmaster uh, Smith, I think was his name. He was King Osric from Conan the Barbarian. He was Major Carl von Steiner from Victory. And, of course... Emperor Ming yeah. from Flash Gordon. That dude rules. Yeah. Yeah. He's the best. Also Minority Report. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, awesome. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. very good. Uh, the last 25 minutes of the entire movie had to be reshot in four months because they it tested terrible. They put it in front of everyone. Who was originally? Who knows? <laughs> I'll get a Donner cut on this. Um, <laughs> I told you about the birthday joke. And then this is another wild one that will blow your socks off. 1989 had the most sequels released that decade. Oh, my God. You ready? Yeah. Now, I don't think that this accounts for like B films, but I think this is mostly like major release yeah, sequels. But studio films. And the 80s certainly were not afraid of sequels, but I got to tell you that this list is powerful. When I say the most sequels, not like our show today, but Continuation. and continuations of any of any franchise. Last Crusade, Back to the Future 2, Star Trek 5, Karate Kid 3, Lethal Weapon 2, License to Kill, James Bond, Elm Street 5, Halloween 5, Fright Night 2, The Fly 2, Friday the 13th Part 8, Police Academy 6, Fletch Lives, and Christmas Vacation. Wow. All in 89. That's pretty good. Isn't that wild? I like it. It's like they were like cramming to get them all in before <laughs> the 90s came. Which Police Academy was it? I don't know, dude. <laughs> the last one was Russia, I think. How that has not been rebooted is beyond me. I know. Well, the, it's grossly politically incorrect. They'd have to change the entire format. Yeah, but still, you got the music. You could do it. How do we miss that for scores? Police Academy aside, getting back to Ghostbusters 2. I really love this. I love the the slime that they they positively charge slime and they soak down uh, Lady Liberty. And what's the song they play? Uh, I'm thinking of Scrooged right now. Your love is lifting me higher than you've ever been lifted before. It took me a minute. I literally was about to start singing, put a little love in your heart. Bill Murray always has the best songs in his movies. It's a great movie. It's it's great. Uh, Max, I got nothing else. I love Ghostbusters too. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I will tell you the... You said you have nothing else. <laughs> I have nothing else. You're right. <laughs> Moving right along. Bum, 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 na, 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 na. I'll do I'll do the you thing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
So our listener, Steve Joyce, loves it when I say yes, yes, yes. I'm going to do one just for him. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. <laughs> you charcuterie mm, board son of a Water. I love water. I love liquids. I love soda. Max, love who's, your next, who's your next okay. movie? Who's okay. your next movie? What do you got? So in this movie, the movie before it had the most profound predictive line in the end scene in movie history. When John Rambo says, nothing is over. There was five movies. That's pretty profound. That's pretty. Yeah. Rambo First Blood Part 2? Yes. The most confusing title in movie history. I am uh, I'm a little pissed off that you picked this movie. I, I have this on my list. <laughs> this is the first one that I had that you had. Now I have to go to my backup, so thank oh. you. I have a fact since you took hit this me. from me. No, no, I'm going to wait. I guess that's if it didn't hit me. Yeah, I don't want to hit you. Yeah. I have a fact on this that is so obscure and so ridiculous that there's no way you have it, and it's just it's more of like a personal experience fact about this movie. Tell but, me your crazy nope, fact first. Nope, go. Wow, okay. Let the audience percolate. <laughs> First movie, a veteran Green Beret is forced by a cruel sheriff to flee the mountains, to flee to the mountains and wage a one man war against the entire. I love that you feel you need to go over the first movies for people. Some people don't know. Get to the sequel. Okay. Sequel in 1985, tight hour 36. This is where Rambo, the absurd Rambo was born. Like the first one's a real movie. This is like the eighties. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, everything's, it is. That's why it's so good. Everything's pumped up. It's so good. So Rambo returns to the jungles of Vietnam on a mission to infiltrate an enemy base to rescue American POWs still there. Cost 44 million, made $300 million. Yeah. And it was supposed to be like an anti-government movie. Like the government's corrupt. Ronald Reagan loved this movie. He's just like, I love it. I'm the Gipper. Why do you do a good Reagan? Well, oh my God. <laughs> Add Reagan to the list. I guess that's on your list now. Only Reagan. Rambo to be nominated for an Oscar. Best sound effects. Oh, I was like, are you kidding? how did he get nominated for an Oscar? I mean, you got rocket launchers, exploding arrows, exploding people, mud disguises, true love between him and Co. Like the Jade Buddha necklace that he has and like their connection always gets me. When she dies, it always hurts me a little bit. Troutman has one of the greatest quotes outside of in the first movie when he says, God didn't make Rambo. I did. <laughs> He has this incredible quote. It's not even like, it's not even something that chews up a lot of time. And it's almost said like as a throwaway line, but I think it's great. Forget the war. Remember the mission. Ooh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. You should tell me that when I'm like all the time, lazy. every day, <laughs> tell you that. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm and you got aware. Martin Cove in this. You got John Kreese. Oh yeah, Harrison. absolutely. The can't be trusted military dude. Also freaking epic that James Cameron wrote the original script. Yeah. This I mean, feels like a James Cameron script. So the original one had Rambo with a sidekick or protege who had all like the funny one liners and Sly was like, no, 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 I want all the one liners. Yeah. You know who they originally had for that? Role? Oh, John Travolta. Are you kidding me? Oh, isn't that incredible? Oh my God. Cause they wanted to sprinkle like a new kind oh, of <laughs> Rambo. What are we doing? Hey, he can do that stuff. Look at like broken arrow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He dude. can do it. Face off. Yeah. Face off is a better example. That's your do. Yeah. And I guess someone was killed during this movie. The movie was dedicated to Cliff Wenger Jr. Who was actually killed by one of the film's explosions. I mean, my God, dude, there's so many, like remember when he's like about to leave and he, and he's like, sir, do we get to win this time? And Troutman's like, this time it's up to you. <laughs> Slotted eight months of training for this. Four hours a day, took SWAT combat lessons, archery, and survival courses. And the evil villain, R Russian Lieutenant Colonel Podovsky, who was played by Stephen Burkhoff, Victor Malin from Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, I'm, I'm well aware. Yeah. Originally, it was Dolph Lundgren signed on to play, play that part. Oh, man. But they realized they had already signed him to Rocky IV. So oh, my like, God. Yeah, Can you imagine? Yeah. If they were just like, let's do both. <laughs> the most genius thing about this movie, that lieutenant is the only villain that has a single line in the movie. Really? Everyone's just cannon fodder for Rambo. This is uh, the kill list on this was huge. So, yeah, it's 74 confirmed kills from Rambo, 85 body count in the whole oh, movie. Oh, my Lord. It spans two days. So, Max, are you ready for my blow your socks off fact about yeah, this movie? Me. I don't even know what's a fact. So, there's a video game for the Nintendo Entertainment System, okay. the, the NES, called 
Rambo First Blood Part Two. Really? And it, I had this. I owned this game. The beginning of the game, <laughs> the beginning of the game, when you hit start, it's like picture of Trauman. It's like. While he's like typing and and the words are coming up and the words that come up are basically, I have a mission. You're going to go to Vietnam. You're going to save these people. And if you complete the mission, you're out of jail. And then underneath that, it gives you the option. (laughs) And the two options are, (laughs) this is so incredible. When you think about being a kid, like little kids were playing this game. The two options are, I'm not afraid of death and (laughs) I feel better in prison. Oh my God. If you select the I feel better in prison, it then says it's up to you, but the game doesn't start until you say yes. <laughs> I remember clicking on that and being like, well, I guess I got to say yes. And then when you say yes, it's like, good. I'll make the arrangements. And then you're in the game and you're killing. That's awesome. Isn't that it was great? A fun game? It's a great game. I want to play it. But that and Jaws, the revenge. Yeah, you've talked about that before. I know. Even yeah. though the movie was, but, was the, but the video game was Mario incredible. Peoples, I know, I know. Jaws, the revenge. Do you game. get to use the knife in Rainbow? Yeah, of course you do. Okay, cool. You to cut people up. Oh, do you get stuff. the? You, you get yeah, the I don't. remember. It's been a long time since Can you I blow played up that, that one game. guy. I just got done telling you I don't remember, and you're going to keep peppering me with questions. I don't know. Maybe it'll trigger your brain. No, it's going to trigger something. It's not going to trigger my. Oh, yes. All right, what's your next one? I must totally have a thing for Richard Donner because he's coming up again. 1989 Lethal Weapon 2. I was going to do this. It's just that we talk so much about it. I, I know, but yeah. I, I love this movie. It, it's a perfect movie. This movie starts off. I mean, well, let me back up. I don't want to I don't want to be a Max Sanders. I don't think I need to explain Lethal Weapon 1. Riggs and Murtaugh are on the trail of South African diplomats who are using diplomatic immunity. <laughs> Cougaran. Thermopolis from Bill and Ted's bogus journey. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, they're using their immunity to engage in criminal activities. This is... The the introduction of Joe Pesci, Leo Getz. Okay, 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 okay. Leo Getz. <laughs> His explanation of money laundering, I still don't get. I don't either. Yeah. This and the orange juice trade in yep. trading places over my head. Someone I have no message idea. us. Explain it. Yeah. If you know, if you know how to money launder, <laughs> we'll, shout, we'll shout you out. Call Max six one seven. Hey, I think I like Lethal Weapon two more than Lethal Weapon one. It is better. I mean, I know that sounds crazy. I love Leo Getz. I love the, the South Africans are the, awesome. everything and the care that they take. I've got some cool information about this movie but the care they take to really develop Riggs's character so the beginning of this movie pen right yeah did I list this movie as one of my favorite movie intros yeah this so. should have been yeah. because the beginning the of this movie chase, the the, chase, the, right? no it starts off with the Warner Brothers yeah. and it does the warped version of the Bugs Bunny intro so it's like bum 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 and then it's the high pitched strings yeah. and it's like a Donner movie yeah. and it's like boom and Riggs is in the car punching the ceiling Woo! <laughs> let's go it's, isn't it Murtaugh's wife's car yes it gets ruined <laughs> It's that, that uh, the, the station wagon. Yeah, it gets destroyed. Oh, God. And it's just like it's pure action. Also, I love ensemble casts. I love all the other actors. They have the whole group of cops. And then within the it's group like of cops. Yeah. And well, let's talk about the cops for a minute. So mixed in with all these cops, you have Jeanette Goldstein. You know who that is? The psychiatrist? Va- Va- no. Vasquez from Aliens. Oh, yeah. John Connor's foster mom in Terminator 2. That's same. Awesome. That's the same yeah, woman, yeah. right? Uh, and do you know what her name is in the movie? Which no. I never knew. What? Megan Shapiro. Shapiro, buddy. You don't get a lot of Shapiros in action films, so I was kind of excited about that. So you remember in Aliens, speaking of uh, Vasquez, do you remember how Vasquez had that guy that she was like super tight with and like they would do pull-ups and everything? So that guy is... Mark Rolston, who's in this movie who plays Hans. He's oh, yeah. the guy who steps on the plastic and then gets shot because he lost the Krugeron. Yeah, he's also Boggs in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The sisters. Can't think of the actor's name right now, but you got Hank from Breaking Bad. Dean Cain. There you go. No, not Dean Cain. No, Dean uh, Cain is Superman. Howard Dean. No, that's the Iowa guy. <laughs> We're going to Iowa. Yeah! <laughs> 
It's uh, it's Dean Norris. Yeah, he went to Harvard. Did really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. And he's also in Total Recall with a weird face. Oh yeah, his buddy. Yeah. No, 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 not his buddy. No, he's got he's the got weird... the weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you got a lot. Of, what does he say? Oh, you, you got a lot of nerves showing your face around here. <laughs> and it's like, yo, want to talk? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's, oh, it's ninety. Damn it. I know. I talk about Total Recall. I know. All day. I'm aware. Gregan, you have what you want. Now give the people to air. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Lethal Weapon Back 2. Back to Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> Sorry. You talk Total Recall, it gets me all riled up. Yeah. Oh, the shoulder separation scene is in this one, right? Yeah, the, the straight jacket. Did you try it? Never. I tried it once. I have no interest in doing that ever. Where'd you get a straight jacket? Never mind. I don't know. No, no, the know. shoulder separation thing. I just tried banging against the wall. Oh, yeah, that's super <laughs> weird. Uh, the guy who plays the diplomatic immunity guy is also who plays Thermopolis in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh, no way. Don't you remember? No, I don't. You idiots, go find the... And he does the accent. Yeah. That's, that's the same dude. Yeah, the guy rules. He does. South Africans are great villains. Yeah. The pen story that you brought up briefly, that whole scene's great, right? So Riggs is hanging out with Murtaugh's wife, Trish, right? Yep. I always remember that because my wife's name is Trish, of course. And they find the pen. He tells the story about the night his wife died. So there's just an emotional, good emotional tie to it. Talked about Leo Getz. Uh, Shane Black's original version of this was way too dark. Yeah. Like it had, Riggs was, gonna, Riggs die, was right? gonna die. Yeah. So they, they twisted and changed that a little bit too. This movie has the highest body count of the entire Lethal Weapons series at 33. Clapton contributed to the Jazzy score again. He did in the first one as well. And it made 20 million its opening weekend and was the third highest grossing film in 1989. Yes, yeah, the best cop duo movie ever, right? It's pretty solid, right? Yeah, right. It had a $30 million budget and 227 million box office total. Cool. Yeah. That's all I got. Uh, I love Lethal Weapon 2. Yeah, the hair is great too. It is. Yeah, it's really you, You're a big uh, Mel Gibson fan. In the 80s, his <laughs> on screen, yes. <laughs> and 90s too, Ransom. Yeah, no, no, he fits the mold of the type of people you like. <laughs> Max, we got. Are we down to our last ones? Second, I'm second to last. You're second to last, yeah. and then I'm last. Got it, got it, got it. So sometimes you don't want a steak. Sometimes you want a Slim Jim, an infomercial, an El Camino. This is my trash pick. Oh, man. <laughs> you Are you going to garbage panda this one up? I want Porky's 2 the next Porky's day. Porky's 2? <laughs> There's no explaning it. I just Porky's 2. Yeah. Objectively, like you like that movie. I do. I, I can't wait to try to listen to you <laughs> talk about this movie without me bleeping everything out. Go ahead, Porky's 2. So I saw the original like a month ago. And it blew my socks off because everyone's laughing at everyone with the last lassie stuff. And they actually have some like real stuff about discrimination and really pick up your friends and everyone should be treated equally. You are the first it, person to ever give a critical review of Porky's as being a feel good movie that's bringing us up. Well, in the first one, they persecute the Jews and then they learn that Jews are people too. This isn't Schindler's List, Max. It's Porky's. It's close. <laughs> and in this one, the Native Americans are being persecuted. True. And Very true. In the end, they kind of, the people persecuted them get their comeuppance. That's, this is beautiful. I'm tearing up. And it's a coming of age story. You know, it's, it's 1950s Florida, high school guys, think American Pie. It's like the the grandfather of those kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. The, the great grandfather <laughs> of those kind of movies. The first one made $111 million. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very Canadian too. You know what I mean? I, it was directed in Canada. Canada? <laughs> <laughs> it was a Canadian movie. and it Directed in Canada. Because everyone's at the butt of every joke. It's yeah. so, like everyone's making fun of everybody. So this is, this one came out in 1983 and and the high schoolers of Angel Beach seek revenge on religious fanatics who want to shut down their school Shakespeare production. What are they? Is it to the Taming of the Shrew or something? It was what? A Midsummer Night. Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, yeah, you're you know, because right. there's all the feminine costumes for guys yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Cost six point five million, made thirty three point seven. It's just absurd humor. Everyone's laughing at everyone. There's a scene where the principal is arguing with a religious zealot, and they're talking about like they're quoting from the Bible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're talking about like smut scenes and all, and going. It's almost like a rap battle. And it's just I like this whole movie. No matter what the scene is, everyone is reacting to. 
to it. The single best scene from any Porky's movie. What? Any of them is when Mrs. Ballbricker is in the principal's office in the first movie recommending that they do a police sketch of, I can't remember the guy's name, his tallywhacker. (laughs) And they're trying to hold it together. That's the best scene ever of a Porky's movie. So I'll defy that in a second. But do you know who directed this movie? No. Bob Clark. Really? So he, the only reason A Christmas Story got made is because he made the sequel to Porky's, which they wanted. Oh, interesting. So if you remember on stage when one of the uh, actors loses his sword yeah. and they give him a leg yes. to fight with. Oh no, that's not the leg from the lamp. the leg from the lamp from A Christmas Story. It's a red shoe. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah, the only difference is the red shoe. It's not black. But that's the same The same, the thing? same exact one. Oh my lord. Talk about memorabilia you want. That's, you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> give, so, me, give me the Porky's leg. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, the Christmas Story leg. No, that's more. what I'm saying. Yeah, right. <laughs> give me the Porky's leg. But I love how they gave Wendy really kind of a personality in this movie where she's like one of the guys. <laughs> I can't listen to you seriously talk about this movie. That last scene in the French restaurant with yes. the county commissioner. Yes, where yes. She fake pukes. I'm only 15. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about cherries. It's like, oh my. And she's just over the top. She's she's fantastic. She's Take, so, taking into account what she was in the first movie yeah. versus what they gave her in the second movie. Yeah, I agree. She, she nailed it. She yeah, it's so but, funny. And the fact that they shave all the KKK members in front of the Native American community. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just wild. So I'm kind of confused why Bob Clark didn't have a bigger career. He, no, Porky's too. <laughs> he made Rhinestone, which is the worst Sylvester Stallone Dolly Parton yeah, movie ever. I agree. He made Baby, Baby Geniuses. Oh, Baby Geniuses wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. And his second to last movie, I have to watch this, in 2005 was The Karate Dog. I got to watch it. Okay. Well, anyways, on that note, are we ready to go to our last ones? Um, Yeah. I'm actually surprised. You did well. You meandered through Porky's 2. Any French restaurant scene where calamity happens and there's <laughs> calamity. A, and there's like a fountain that people can fall into, I'm always a fan of that. Oh, wow. We're down to the last one. Yep. I'm up. Yep. This is the piece de resistance of my Pierre list. Pierre de resistance. The what? The who? It's like Pierre de resistance. It's not piece? I think so. I don't know. Guy this is Pierre. my favorite pick. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Pierre of Risty. <laughs> Garcin. There's a million reasons that I could have picked this movie from 1987. At the top of the list would be the Detroit Lions Letterman's jacket that's worn by Axel Foley. Don't, Beverly Hills Cop 2. You took it. Be- is that what you were going to do with your last one? Yeah. Ha-ha! I am a god! <laughs> bow before Zod! Johnny Neil. Winston over here. I blew it. I said bow. Yeah. Kneel before Zod. Axel Foley returns to Beverly Hills to help Taggart and Rosewood, Roseweed, Roseweiner, investigate <laughs> Chief... Yeah, there you go. Investigate Chief Bogomil's near-fatal shooting and the series of alphabet crimes associated with it. You could make an argument with me. I'm going to say that I like Beverly Hills Cop 1 the most, but you could make an argument with me about this one being really close to his good. It's got the Tony Scott kind of vibe to it. Yeah, I mean, they grabbed Tony Scott hot off the presses of doing Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, this feels like top, it's got a Top Gun feel to it's it. It's got lots sure. of flash. It's oh. got a lot of quick cuts. Brigitte Nielsen. The Playboy Mansion. It's got you know, the, just the opening scene where they're robbing the, 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 jewelry, store. the jewelry store and the timing and the horse track. And, 60 seconds. Oh my God. This <laughs> movie's so good. Brigitte Nielsen, man. She had an affair with Tony Scott during the filming of this. Wow. Yeah. She's really good in this, actually. Yeah. she's. I thought she was great in I this. I think this is her best role. I think the, I don't know, she's great as Red Sonia. <laughs> no, come on. The victim in Cobra. <laughs> Just scream. Ah! <laughs> no, she's great in this. She's yeah. absolutely great in this. Tony Scott directed it. You've got Eddie Murphy, Judge Reinhold, and of course, Ronnie Cox. Yeah. Dick Jones. <laughs> The greatest actor that didn't act as much as he could. Do you know what movie I almost took and put in this spot? What? Robocop 2. Just so I could do. That's 90. 
No, it's not. Is it? No, RoboCop 2 is in the 80s. 90s, suck it. Is it really? Yeah, you don't even oh, know. Come on, man. bro. That would have been <laughs> such an embarrassment on my end. I just love, I, I would have asked you to say, like, Max, ask me, say, what's bugging you, Murph? What's bugging you, Murph? Kane's bugging me. <laughs> There's so much to love about this movie. All right, $27 million budget made $276 million. Gilbert Godfrey as Sidney Bernstein. Oh, yeah, one hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> can I that, give you something in one hand that makes you forget about that the That whole scene? Yeah. Improvised. Yeah, I can see that. I, by Eddie Murphy and Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, Chris Rock as the valet at the playboy mansion yeah. complaining about i get five dollars for doing limos and what do i get in, in the game like a 20 for the cement truck was it a cement it was a cement truck <laughs> put the tail in the pipe the banana in the tailpipe i know it's beverly hills cop one but i had to do it did you no i didn't paramount apparently after beverly hills cop one wanted a tv series but eddie was done doing tv so that's why they went to beverly hills cop two do you remember when axel goes to the gun club yeah do you remember the name that he introduces himself as no. Richard James. You know why? Rick James? Rick James. <laughs> That's a little awesome. tip of his hat to his boy. Tony Scott really wanted Hans Zimmer to do the score, but Paramount pushed a gentleman by the name of Harold Faltemeyer on it. You oh, know, yeah. We didn't even know who that is. Talk about him all the time. This is the first film that Eddie Murphy was involved in the writing process on, either as a writer or a co-writer. Good for him. I thought so. Good for him. You're, you're wrapping up. You want me to go? <laughs> no. <laughs> so that's, no, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. Do you understand at the end what they're doing at the track and all? It's confusing. Everything about this. <laughs> I, you know I'm not good at that kind of stuff. So before the final gun battle, Rosewood is pulling guns out of his trunk. Remember the whole Rambo thing, like all those weapons. <laughs> yeah. So this is actually a nod to the co-producer, Don Simpson. So according to Judge Reinhold, he recalls that the first time he ever met Simpson, the producer showed off his gun collection, which was in the trunk of his car. Oh my God. <laughs> Think about Don it's, Simpson. It's, very, it's, Don it's Simpson. very Don Simpson, right? When Eddie takes over the mansion and he's like, if they want to live in a donut, let them live in a donut. Right. It makes me laugh. This is the biggest opening weekend of 87, which is a good year. Yeah. You like this year. Bronson Pinchot couldn't do Surge because he was in perfect strength. Rangers. Makes sense. In uh, Rosewood's room, he's got the posters of Rambo First Blood Part 2, which yep. you just talked With about. With all his plants. And Cobra. They all and both, both starring Stallone. And then Stallone's then-wife, Brigitte Nielsen, appears in the film as Carla Fry. And Stallone was the original choice to play the lead in the original Beverly Hills Cops. This was like a tip of the hat to him. Yeah. Except he wrote it into something much more dark, Cobra. which became Cobra. Right. I'm glad we have both. <laughs> <laughs> I am. And I had to give you, outside of the letter jacket, which the first appearance of the Detroit Lions letterman's jacket is in Beverly Hills Cop 2. It doesn't show up in the first one. Oh, yeah. I had to go back and like watch it because I was convinced <laughs> of it, but it doesn't show up until this one. And then another shout out from the Michigan Detroit Connection. Despite a long career, the song Shakedown, you know, Shakedown, yeah. Breakdown, You Busted, is Bob Seger's only number one hit single on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, neat. Yeah. And also... Doesn't Rosewood make a reference to the Pointer Sisters at one point? Yeah. It's so random. Yeah, it's, it's like, a, it's and like they were in the first one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love Rosewood in this movie. I'm not sure what the significance was. Like, I don't know why the property master, because usually the prop masters who would get like the, or, or wardrobe would get like the letter jacket. They picked the number 67, which was like Greg Orton, like a no name lion that could have done like <laughs> anybody else. You, yeah. your lion's I, I just could have done someone else. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but whatever. Such I snob. want that jacket so bad. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2. It's exciting. It's high pace. The Friendship blossoms, you know, yeah. Rosewood and Bogomil and Taggart and Eddie. And so at the end, the chief of police is being abusive and the mayor's there and the mayor's seen enough and he fires him. But I cannot get that guy out of my head from Boogie Nights when he played the colonel, yeah. like the basically like lollipops like, in my mouth. Yeah, he's not a good guy. <laughs> and every time I see him in this movie, I'm like, you're not a good guy, sir. You're not a good guy. But I mean, this is great. This is classic Eddie Murphy and it's one of my favorite 80s movies and it is how I'm wrapping up my list it's a good one I'm it jealous. is all right there you go Although, what do you got i have the best sequel ever oh i went with a sequel that didn't even need two in the title the road warrior 
Oh, Mad Max. Yeah. That's a, is a good one. Mad Max 2, technically. This one is just fast-paced, destructive, and the world building they do in this is incredible. Like, so this movie only cost $3 million, and it looks like it cost $100 million. I don't know how George Miller, the director, did it, but he's like the car actions aficionado ninja. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just gets it. What was the first, the first, what did the first one cost? So the first one cost $300,000 and it made $8.75 million. And it was only released really in Australia with kind of a light global release. Mm-hmm. That was more about a policeman with his family set out to stop a violent motorcycle gang. Right. So that was more kind of like before he lo- loses everything, before right. Max like, becomes This like, one becomes the post-apocalyptic story. So in this one, a cynical drifter, Max, agrees to help a small gasoline-rich community escape a horde of bandits. It's more fun. It's outrageous. It's got the weird BDSM. Can I say that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, the humongous as their leader. He's like basically just wearing a Speedo and like a silver hockey mask. It's, it's, it's a weird movie. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's I love like it it's yeah. but it's like it's different it's very different oh yeah so george miller he did all the mad maxes that's really his career this is the most fascinating thing i've ever seen from 1997 to 2014 all he directed was babe pig in the city <laughs> happy feet and happy feet Two. what's going on in his brain there's a lot i mean so you know i'll skip i'll go hard left for a minute yeah you know i love commando i lied <laughs> sully <laughs> john <laughs> matrix you said you're gonna kill me last I lied. <laughs> ah! Don't bother my friend. He's dead tired. Let off some steam. It's a great movie. Uh, it's he's father of the year. Him and Alyssa Milano. <laughs> Vernon Wells, who I like. When you think of you know the Predator, right? Schwarzenegger goes up to the Predator. When you think of like Kyle Reese, you know, fighting the Terminator. When you think of all these different like bad guys, right? Like uh, what's the guy? Oops, Darth Vader's voice. Uh, James Earl Jones. Yeah, who was he? Why, I know James Earl Jones. Why can't Thalsa Dune? Thalsa Dune. Thalsa thank Thalsa you. Dune. Yes, thank you. Yes. All these. Uh, I'm Max. I'm telling you, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Too much info. No, no disassemble. <laughs> Input. Input. When you think of all of these kind of classic bad guys that he's had to go up against. In this movie, he went up against the girl from Clueless's dad, and you're really getting a commando. I know. Well, sorry. So Vernon Wells, he's great as Wes in this. The Pink Mohawk. His redeeming role has got to be Wes. Wes in yeah. Road Warrior. So yeah. he does Bennett Road Warrior. He does the Lord General in Weird Science, who's Wes. Yeah, but Inter- they call him the Inter- Lord General. Inter- space. He's, he's Don't you take this from me. Yeah. He's Mr. Ego. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. I was like, oh my God, that's right. Yeah. And he kind of was in love with the one lady. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I totally forgot. You know what my favorite Vernon Wells fact is? What? Mel Gibson said they knew when it was time to wrap up shooting for the day when, because it got cold, if uh, Vernon's butt was purple. Oh, that's right. Because he was wearing, you know what, chaps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? Donkeyless chaps, <laughs> as we say on the clean show. <laughs> so Max's family's dead. He's kind of like the solo gunslinger in this movie. I guess Mel cut his own hair and his own eyebrows to like look haggard. And I love that he's with his dog. You know, I mean, it's just him and that Australian shepherd dog. They adopted him from a local pound and trained him for this movie. And I guess car engines upset him and caused him to pee sometimes. So they fitted him with special earplugs. <laughs> Isn't that random? That's super. And a camera operator adopted him afterwards. Oh, how cool. See, happy that ending. Yeah, what a right? happy ending. I like that. And I mean, the car is one of the coolest cars yeah. in history. The yeah, yeah. Ford Falcon XB GT V8 I like the chopper. Interceptor. I like the, ch- the little chopper. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the little chopper dude. Yeah. Well, I don't care about the dude. I just like the chopper. I just want to fly around on that thing. That dude is underrated. He's like tall and weird and lanky. The So shocking that you would understand his plight. <laughs> you literally, if you ever go missing, that's the first three words I'm going to say to the police. <laughs> tall, weird, and lanky. He's also the train man in Matrix Revolutions. Oh. Yeah. There, there you go. And this was the most expensive Australian film at the time. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, it's just fun. It's just like. The, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. explosions. James Cameron said this movie influenced the Terminator. 
I believe that. Yeah. Absolutely. Talking about sequels is harder because you feel like obligated to the first you one. You felt obligated to the first one. You I, were, I didn't want to talk about the first one. You were all over the map on this one, buddy. Max, good job. Why don't you recap? <laughs> Wait, give me your picks. Let's take that out. No, no, no you're good. I, I like it. No, leave it all in there. Because I like what you said. No, it's cool. I'll yeah. leave it as your criticism, you piece of you know what. All right, Max, what were your five picks for your favorite sequels from the 80s? Hit me. Short Circuit 2, The Recircuiting. <laughs> Halloween 2, The Unmasking. Uh, <laughs> Rainbow 2, The Bow and Arrowing. <laughs> Porky, porky's two, the porking, <laughs> and Mad Max two, uh, the reckoning. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I, was that in order? I don't think yeah, it was. It was. In order. All right, I don't, I don't even follow that. Uh, the Great Muppet Caper, Superman two, Ghostbusters two, Lethal Weapon two, Beverly Hills Cop two. Max, that's a wrap, and it takes us to our Buzz in the Tower fan spotlight. Max, our spotlight is from Rich, and Rich is the single proprietor, the man, the top of the food chain. Big dog. For Bone Town Burgers and Barbecue. Great name. If you're hungry, do not go to this website. (laughs) (laughs) Bone Town Eats, B-O-N-E-T-O-W-N-E-A-T-S dot com. This is a food truck that if it was anywhere near my house, I'd be in real physical trouble. Hand cut fries. They got their own barbecue. The Lemmy looks good for the burgers. They do all scratch cooking right down to their bacon and habanero ketchups. They got sriracha pickles. They are the only burger truck in the Boston area and they do it with a heavy metal flair like their Lemmy burger from Motorhead or their Simmons as in Gene Simmons veggie burger. They are making a Buzz in the Tower burger. We don't know what it's going to be. We don't know what it could be the the Moe and Max to the Max burger. It could be anything. I don't know. But I've been told that we're going to be on the menu, which is exciting. Well, I live in Boston originally, so when I go home, maybe he'll like design it for me. Yeah, that's super selfish. Why don't you bring me with you? Am I I not good enough to see your family? Yeah, you are. You make me hurt. No. In my heart. Back to burgers. Back to burgers. I feel like 80s and burgers are the two things that are the most like got to get behind them things in the world. It's America. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't get more America than that. No. Maybe pizza. Pizza too. Maybe Maverick eating a burger. There you go. Yeah. Find them on social media, Bonetown Burgers, at Bonetown Burgers. Let's hear what Rich had to say for his favorite 80s sequel. Hey, guys. This is Rich Cambriello, otherwise known as the Bone Daddy. Actually, I'm the only one who calls myself the Bone Daddy. But hey, from Boston Burgers out in Boston, Mass. And I'm here to be the fan spotlight of the week, which I can't say enough of being an awesome, awesome, awesome honor. And on today's topic being great 80s sequels, I'm going with Cannonball Run Part 2 which was such a very, very hard decision to make because there's so many great sequels out there. Karate Kid 2, any which way you can. I could go on for days upon days, but Cannonball Run 2, it's Burt freaking Reynolds. I mean, I have a tattoo of the guy. Enough said on that. And Frank freaking Sinatra. How can you beat Frank Sinatra? You kind of can't. And there's a monkey. There's a freaking monkey in it. You can never top a monkey. No matter what happens, monkey trumps all. Plus, you have Charles Nelson Riley, Tony Danza, Mary Lou Henner. It's just a great movie. It's driving cars cross-country again. How do you beat that? I'm sorry. You just can't. As much as I love all the other 80s sequels like Karate Kid 2 and so on and so on, it's the Cannonball Run. It's Hal Needham at his greatest with Burt Reynolds. That's just like Cocoa Puffs and chocolate milk. Mmm. Anyway... Again, I'm the Bone Daddy from Bone Town Burgers out in Boston, Mass. Give us a look at BonetownEats.com. Also, one more thing, Mo, I'm sorry to correct you, but Carrie Green was not in the great outdoors. That was not her. That was another actress whose name I don't know. I'm sorry. 
But either way, guys, total honor. If you're ever out in Boston, look us up. And I'm definitely making a buzzin' the tower burger. God knows what I'm going to put on this thing. Whole bunch of coffee? Maybe? Bacon coffee? Coffee bacon. Ooh, coffee bacon. That'll work. Either way, guys, be good. Love the show. Keep it up. Bye-bye. There's a lot to unpack here, Max. I'm going to go right to the end of his statement. <laughs> I, I, I don't ever remember saying that Andy from the Goonies was in the great outdoors. You might have mixed up with Summer Rental. I, it's possible, but you know how I feel about being corrected, so we're Dude, not... You a lot of awesome stuff in there. Don't I, go to that. I, I don't go to his burgers. Don't oh eat them. God. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, listen. Cannonball Run 2. You got a Burt Reynolds tattoo. I, that's... I mean, that stop, stops right there. What he didn't mention is Shirley MacLaine is one of the naughty uh, nuns oh, yeah. that sneaks away and basically starts having a relationship with Burt Reynolds. Cannonball Run 2 is fantastic. We, we were, on our last episode, weren't we just talking about the orangutan driving the car? Yeah. You didn't remember that either? The monkey wins everything. Yeah, that's a great... Monkey trumps everything. <laughs> that's a great t-shirt. Uh, I mean, great pick. We love the movie. I think you're wrong about uh, <laughs> about the... Get over it. I'm not going to get over it. I want to know when. I want the timestamp of when I said it. I'm probably setting myself to, up to look stupid. Yeah. Great pick. Max you're the local Bostonian. Where do we need to be to go eat this delicious food? In Boston or Rhode Island. Check the website. See where they're going to be at. Go eat burgers. Oh my God. And tell them, the, tell, them, tell them the buzz in the tower. Walk up to him and be like, hey, <laughs> Mo didn't screw up and give me six burgers right now. <laughs> you're weird. I'm super weird. Max, that concludes this episode. We've got our new sponsors, Bolton Legal Group, Dolby Real Estate, Cap Siva. We've got our Patreon, which I know I've brought up before, but if you love the show, that's a great way to show us that you love the show because other Otherwise, it's just empty words, and I don't want to hear them. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, too no, aggressive, too I aggressive. love everyone on the uh, You do love everyone. Yeah. Follow us on social media, at Buzz in the Tower. Go to Spotify. If you don't listen to us on Spotify, just download the app and go listen to like one episode and give us five stars. Yeah, they came out with a new five star thing. Yeah, so yeah. We give us be, those stars. We're going to be just mm, We love those stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Max, how do you want to close out? What do you got to finish? Um, To be continued, dot, dot, dot. All right. Like All the right. end of a sequel. Uh, I've got Welcome to 2022. The Roaring Twenties. We're like in it now. The Roaring Twenties. Yeah. I'll talk to you next week, Max. Later. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.